Hello, welcome to the Longwell Premier League Preview Show. I'm John Townsend. I'm Declan DeBarp. I'm Brennan McCaffrey. This week, the man, the managerial merry-go-round continues. Will Stevie G make Villa slip down the table? And will Arsenal continue its great run of form? If history has anything to say about it, then it doesn't look likely. So let's start the show. And because we have the head gooner here in Brennan McCaffrey, we're going to be talking a ton about Arsenal later on. But first, let's start with Steven Gerrard. I've already said on the podcast numerous times, he's my favorite player of all time. Even being a United fan, just the way he plays the game, I've always adored. But he's also had a decent start to his managerial career in, in Scotland with Rangers. Um, he's only won one trophy in the past three years that he's been there. But coming from Rangers, a club that hasn't done much this decade, returning them to league champions that's a massive achievement for him and moving into the premier league what do you guys think of uh villa's move to bring him in as manager do you think he's the right man for the job i think it's an excellent hire um you know and i think it's right for steven gerrard as well i think i think the club the club's ambitions and gerrard's ambitions match up pretty well um where you know you mentioned what Rangers have done in the past decade. And it's a whole lot of nothing since the club went into administration. So I think that he's a manager who is looking to prove. And I, there was always going to be the return of Gerard at, at some point, but I think that it's really smart that he's not gone to like a Liverpool. He's, he hasn't jumped right into that job. Like we haven't talked much about Javi on this podcast, but uh, just in my own, just in my own personal conversations, I think it's a big mistake what, what Javi's doing. And I think that he should really take after the Steven Gerrard, Gerrard lesson where, you know, he can go to a Liverpool he, in the future. But right now he's at a Villa who's not a, they're not a small club. They have a long history of winning things and they have ambitions. It's not like, um, it's not like Dean Smith was taking the club into a, into a spiral. They've shown their ambition with money. And now that they've hired Steven Gerrard, who, in my opinion, has the absolute fit. I really think that they can push on and do something great. I, I think this Jared hire is great um, on both accounts. Yeah, I, I actually am really psyched for this because, uh, like you said uh, about Chavi, and you see the same thing with what happened with Lampard too. He was kind of not ready, but uh, I do think Gerard is ready because uh, watching Celtic and stuff, Winning, winning that Scottish Premiership with Rangers is that is quite the feat, especially when you have a team like Celtic, who's won what the last like nine of them, and it was that. And not only that, they've were they've been doing solid in Europe the last two years. I wouldn't say they've been overachieving in Europe, but not underachieving. I'll tell you that much. So I would say that both of these clubs, not both these clubs, Villa and Gerard are both kind of in stride at the same time. I think it's going to work well together and I'm really excited to see what happens. But um, also just talking about Gerard, I, I, I agree with you, John. He's one of my favorite players growing up. And like, I didn't like Liverpool, didn't like England. I always just admired someone who could play both sides of the ball at an extremely high rate. And I just like someone who can do it all. And that was Stevie G and hopefully it, it may, it'll make for a better premier league. So I'm hundred percent on board with this. Yeah, like Steve, Stevie G, uh, as a leader in the locker room, because it wasn't just that he can do it on both sides of the pitch. It was his communication. It was his leadership on the pitch. Transitioning down to a managerial role, if you're, if you're some of these players on this 
kind of young Aston Villa squad. They grew up watching Steven Gerrard. It's a little bit like how, how uh, with Petit Sevra at uh, Crystal Palace right now. A lot of those players grew up watching Petit Sevra. So when he comes into the room and he's your manager, you're a lot more likely to listen to a guy who you, know, you grew up with this poster on your wall. So with, with Steven Gerrard, with Steven Gerrard, uh, with this Aston Villa squad, if if they can mesh, I think it work work really well because Gerard as well at uh, Rangers, he typically favored a four three three or four two three one, very very attacking possession possession heavy. They pressed a ton, and if you look at the pieces already assembled on that Villa squad, they have the the pieces to fulfill his best formation at Rangers. And I think that it's going to need to change a little bit, though, when you come into the Premier League. You can't continue the same style with a with a Rangers squad that was so dominant. Like, I, I think one thing that we've been remiss to mention so far is that his first season, he went invincible. He didn't lose uh, in, in the Scottish Premiership. He went to the round of 16 in back-to-back seasons with uh, Rangers in, in Europe, beating two decent sides in Antwerp and Braga. So I think that there's a lot to watch out. And the point you make, Brennan, about him being in stride is, is a big one. Usually we see managers move when um, something horrible has happened. They're, they, they've lost their way. They're out of a job. That's not this case. That, that's, that's not what Stevie G is. There was clearly a plan in place with how quickly he came in at Villa, that they could clearly had conversations about it. And I think that, that Stevie G has had his eye on a European or sorry, on a, a job in the EPL for, for a long time. And he's put in the work at, uh, at, at Rangers and now is getting the reward with uh, a Villa squad. And it should be, should be very interesting to see. Uh, I wouldn't judge them too much on this weekend, but um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that over the, the next few weekends before the next international break, we'll have a, we'll have a good idea. But as both of you guys said, with with uh, Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa, they're both kind of on upwards trajectory, uh, trajectory right now. But my question is, which side is this more of a risk for? Is this more of a risk for Steven Gerrard taking a job of this of this level at this particular time, or is it more of a risk for Aston Villa, who at the time at the time of recording going into this weekend, they currently sit six in sixteenth place on ten points so far this season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could get relegated and trusting a guy who's only been in, been a manager for three seasons, that could be a bit of a risk. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I would say it's definitely more on Gerard, however, though, because like you said, Villa's 16th. So um, it's not like Dean Smith was really getting the job done, but I just see it like, he left Rangers in a pretty abrupt, like rather abruptly. Like they were, they're in good form. They're playing in Europe. Like it's, that's, that's a harder exit. That's a hard exit to make, especially for a club like Rangers. It, like I, I, I follow like a bunch of Scottish accounts and stuff. And I was watching uh, fans react to uh, Stevie G going to Villa and they were, they were not taking it well. So he's going to have to, He's going to have to impress early, in my opinion. Moving on to North City, as they took a chance on Villa's former manager in just a surprising move, to be honest, because we all knew that Daniel Farker's days were kind of numbered, like staple to the bottom of the Prem and not much positive going on. And then they went ahead and beat beat Brentford. Everyone thought, oh, great, Norwich's mm-hmm. first 
Norwich's first win of the season. Maybe Farker's pulling it together. Nope, he's sacked like the day after. <laughs> so then they bring in Dean Smith, who just been sacked by Villa. What do you guys have to have to say about this before I go in? Um, I think that it was the right time to do it for Norwich. We didn't get to talk about this because we're, you know, we're the preview show. We talked about the game before and then moments after the game, he won. Hurrah, hurrah, I lost some money. And then he was sacked. Um, and it just didn't quite make any sense. But as I began to thought to think about, about it, I think five of the six teams in the bottom in the bottom uh, six have, have all changed their manager. Um, Watford have, Villa have. Um, you know, and I think it was the story of, do we really want to be stuck behind before everything goes to crap? Because at this point, there's still a chance if Dean Smith, who I, I think is, is a fantastic coach, he's a great man manager. And where, while his tactics aren't particularly particularly advanced i think that what he's been able to get out of his players at uh at uh, aston villa really speaks volumes and i think that he can do some great work with players like tom cantwell who hasn't really played with um with uh, timo puki who hasn't played great with uh with you know daniel Sargent and milan roshia who are two players who just aren't on form this season and haven't been in a couple of years so i think that Dean Smith is a great hire and I also think that this was the time that Norwich really had to pull the trigger before they got left behind because you know I think they have seven points and that's not good enough yeah um I yeah I agree with you I also think although the timing was weird coming off a win uh and everything but I mean it had to have happened I don't want to be a too much of a Debbie Downer but I think this might be an impossible task for Dean Smith I, I mean he does have. He has shown signs of overachieving with that Aston Villa side uh, in previous years. Like you said, he's a great man manager, and he can get the most out of those players. And I think he will be able to do that. But I just think Norwich are like too far, too far, too gone, in my opinion. But that, that's just me. But I'm excited to see what Dean Smith can do because I do think he's a quality manager. But um, yeah, it's just gonna have to be him getting the most out of those players. And a specific player that I have my eyes on, at least, is Todd Cantwell. Because if you look at what uh, what Dean Smith managed to get out of Grealish, Grealish AV, creative mm. player who excels on the ball, dribbling, drawing in defenders, creating opportunities for other teammates. I think you can replicate that in a way with Todd Cantwell. And I'd be really interested to see if he flourishes under Dean Smith now. And... Something I'd say, though, about the Dean Smith hire, it's not the worst hire I've ever seen in my life. That probably awards still goes to Steve Bruce at Newcastle. To be honest, like Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace. I can go on and on. But with this Norwich squad, we point out he's a great man manager. He can take take a C squad, turn it into a B minus B squad. Mm -hmm. But I, I think Norwich is a D squad. I don't know how much higher you can you can raise the, the the level of the team without upgrades in January. Just going up and down the just going up and down the pitch. Pookie might have just been a one season wonder in the prem. He's he's old. He's not the paciest. He's a good finisher, but you kind of need another another um, an, another golf club in your bag, if you will. 
for uh, to be you know Premier League striker. Todd Canwell can definitely play at the Premier League level. Um, then if you're just going up and down the, the roster, there's not much else of Premier League quality there, in my opinion. So I think that they'll definitely need to make some upgrades in January if they're hoping to stay up. But I'm kind of in agreement with uh, Brennan. It's looking a bit like an impossible task. And if I could just add something there, I, I do think they have a little more pieces than you're willing to give. I mean, they have Max Aarons. They have the Billy Gilmore. Don't forget the And he's coming off a solid couple performances for Scotland. I mean, I, I, yeah, I do. I still think it's an impossible task, but I'm, it could, it could, they, he could do the job, you know, but uh, like, he, I do think if Sargent maybe regains a, some confidence under, under a new manager, under a new play style, because he was being played out on the wing a bit uh, or kind of as like a second striker to Pookie, which isn't really his forte, but I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna depend on uh, how much Dean Smith can get out of this players. But yeah, I, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Moving on to our first game we're going to be talking about in the week. Leeds United at Tottenham Hotspur. This is going to be Sunday at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. And I feel like, I feel like this could be one of the best matchups of the weekend from a tactical standpoint. Because these are arguably two of the most tactically astute managers in the league. In Antonio Conte and Marcelo Bielsa. Um it's looking to be really interesting because Leeds have had gone just gone through injury hell this season. Bamford's still not back, but they're starting to get some people some people back. Rafinha has been knocked up a tiny bit, but it looks like he's going to be going the, going this weekend. And they've also gone unbeaten the past three matches. Uh, I believe off the top of my head, it's a draw, a win, and a draw. So Leeds have picked up a bit of form. Antonio Conte has now been in the job three weeks. You'd have to imagine that the players there in Spurs are getting more comfortable in an Antonio Conte system. And guys, who do you think is going to be winning this weekend? I said no one in our predictions, and I'll um, I'll stick by that. I think that I think that you're right, John. That this will be a, a hotly contested uh, game, and as Leeds continue to come back to health, they they seem to be finding more and more of old leads. You know, they're still down that focal point in Patrick Bamford and who knows when he's going to come back. But Calvin Phillips came back just before the end, just before the end of the international break. I think, I think that he has a game under, under his legs, but it's all about coming back up to match fitness. And especially under, under a Bielsa squad, it's about coming back up to true match fitness where, you know, you might be carrying a knock, but you can run 90 minutes and, from watching Leeds week in and week out, this squad dies um, on the sword of, of Calvin Phillips. And he is an outstanding midfielder, one who can, you know, advance the ball, but is much more at home sweeping up in behind a more of that halfback role, deep lying play, playmaker role in this Bielsa squad. And just so crucial to making them tick. And then, you know, Rafinha has looked like their main offensive impetus. He's been in and out of the squad all year. Um, and obviously there was that coming together over the international break with uh, Mascherano, where he threw the elbow out at him. Um, but uh, Rafinha is going to be crucial. One player who I've been disappointed with this season is uh, Jack Harrison, who just you know should be filling the back of the boot, back of the net with uh, goals, but he just can't seem to finish. I think he has one of the highest expected goals, uh, expected goal difference from his from his true goals. So, um, you know. Leeds need to find some form. Leeds need to figure out how to score. But if they can, they can do that, I, I wouldn't be worried. And, you know, I think that this Spurs squad is, is really the antithesis to this Leeds squad. Yeah. Um, 
help me out here. Is this Con- is this Conti's first or second match for second match? Okay. Either either way, it's like you said, they're gonna be starting to be a little more comfortable under his system. And also Harry Kane is gonna be coming off good form. He he bagged a few goals in this international window, even though they're to some fraudulent nations. But uh yeah, I think uh, being an Arsenal fan, I really don't want to give Tottenham really any respect. But I just, I just think Conte and uh, he's going to do a job against against this lead side. But um, yeah, like you said, Bielsa ball, it's you get drained very easily. And I do agree that these guys are not very strong without uh, the Yorkshire Pirlo, you know. So um, this is going to be a very interesting match, and I'm excited to see how uh, Conte uh, lines up. And uh, as well for for seeing how Conte lines up, Sergio Romero, who has been crucial to the Spurs defense so far this season, he's most likely going to miss the upcoming match tomorrow. So really wondering what that would mean for Conte for who he's going to be turning to now uh, now off the bench. Like, would it mean that Eric Dye is going to be picking up another start? Ben Davies, Davison Sanchez. They have a few different options, even Tanganga as well, who I've liked in a few of his starts. I'm really curious whether or not they're going to be sticking with the back three. I would imagine that they would because it is Antonio Conte at the end of the day. But should they actually be switching to a back two, just having like a couple more wing backs and a bit more support in, in the midfield if they don't have Romero? Uh, I definitely think that, oh, I, I definitely think they should, but um, I, I do think he, he might just stick with because it's only the second game in charge. So I think you want to at least try to in, like instill your philosophy. So I, I think he should still stay with that. Uh, but yeah, the Romero injury does really throw a wrench into that team. Really, really throws a wrench into that team. I don't think they have the quality to. Um to play three at the back without Romero. Romero is miles and away their best center back. And he's shown that this season, even though he's a freaking prick, but, uh, but without it, remind me of the, of the squad depth. There's Eric Dyer. There's Davidson Sanchez. Davidson Sanchez, Tanganga. Um, not much else. Not much, you know? not much else. And, and, you know, I don't think that Spurs have a great defense and that's not a controversial opinion of, when mm-hmm. your best defender goes down and you don't have the bodies, I, I think that you just need to, I, I, I think you just need to go, you know, stick Sanchez and Tanganga at the back. I don't think Eric Dyer is a Premier League player. And then, you know, Regulon, Regulon and I don't know, who's, who's left back at, at, at Spurs out, out on the left. And, and you go from there, you know, there's one thing to be said about playing a style. There's another thing to be said about being flexible. And I think that in this situation, Conte needs to be flexible. And I think that's going to be taking us to halftime. And the game today we're going to be playing is Chupamo Teams. Now, for the listeners who don't, do not know what Chupamo Teams is, as Declan has a massive smile on his face, I know he's been waiting for this game. But Chupamo Teams is a game where I say the name of a footballer and then the guess. Declan and Brennan have to decide amongst themselves how many clubs they can name that the footballer played for. So the first one, for example, is David Louise, five clubs. Now, starting off with the guest, Brennan, 
How many clubs of David Luiz do you think you can name out of the five clubs? Four. Four? Ooh. Fuck me. <laughs> Declan, do you think you, you, said, you said five? five? You said five. No, he said four. He said four. No, 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 no. He's played for five clubs. Five, played for five clubs, yes. <sighs> can can you push it to, uh, to five? Brennan, how uh, how confident are you on these on these four? I'm like... 70 percent 65 percent maybe you you can you can name your four i i, I don't got them i i, I can't right. name his brazilian clubs arsenal chelsea psg and then those were the it's a ones. it's a toss-up between flamengo or fluminese and i want to say and i want to say fluminese you're locking in fluminese yeah that's not correct. i'm sorry to inform you brendan it was actually flamengo He's playing currently, currently, nope, currently playing with, with Flamengo, and he started off his career at Benfica. Oh. To be honest, I probably would have got three of them. So that, there's a reason I'm hosting this the, game. and not, The, the not three were obvious. The three were obvious. I yeah. got those down right away. Also, Brennan, you really got to break out the, the, the pen and, and the paper so you, can, so you can plan this out properly. All right, I, I got it. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> well, next one now. Player is Callum Wilson. Five clubs. Uh, and I gotta say, it's it, this is a hard one. I'm convinced that you gave all of the hard ones to me, and the next one you're gonna go with is like Andrea Pirlo for for Brennan. <laughs> you said five. Five clubs total. Jeez, I got. I got three. I got you going three. three. Brennan, can you go four? No, no, definitely not. Shit. <laughs> All right, Declan, let's see. Let's see you do it. Okay. Um, so the obvious one is Bournemouth, Newcastle. Yes. And here's a complete shot in the dark. Just because <laughs> it feels right, Watford. I'm sorry, he's not playing for Watford. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan, do you have any idea? I was going to do another shot in the dark and do, like, Hull City. Hull City would have been a decent shout, but he has not played for Hull City, Hull City either. He started off at Kettering Town, a club yeah, that I've never even known existed. Yep. Then went to Coventry City. That's, like, the one I thought maybe. Like, uh-huh. uh, maybe you can get that. And then went to Tamworth and then moved his way over to Bournemouth. Yeah, fuck off. Eddie Howe just unearthing gems from Tamworth. Two, two, was, two was the sweet spot. I should have just said two. I knew two. <laughs> well, maybe you can have some redemption this round. But actually, Brennan's going first. My bad. Brennan, David James. How many clubs did he, how many clubs do you, can, do you think you can name out of his seven? David James? Oh, it's a little before my time a bit. I think I can name like four. You're going four. Declan? Name his You're, four. You're saying name four. Name four. Okay, I have I'm four, pretty... but I, I don't have a fifth. How many clubs have, has David, David James played for? Seven. Seven. It seems like way more than that, too. I just want to start off by saying yeah. that. It sounds like way more. <laughs> um, He's definitely a player who, if you've been following the Premier League, like this is like right in, right in my wheelhouse. Like I was watching the Premier League when he was playing. It's, he's definitely one of those players that you're like, oh, yeah, he's probably played with 15 different clubs. 
You've just seen them all over the place. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of just blanked completely. That's why you got to like, write them down, man. I know. <laughs> I, I didn't write them down. I did not listen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, I, I can't even name the four now. I'm in shambles right now, guys. Can you start with one? Ugh. I swear he played for, like, Pompeii or, like, Portsmouth. Pompey, I think he means, not Pompey. I was oh, going to yeah. say, like, wow, yeah. that's, that's a left field shout. <laughs> um, did he play uh, at Holston? Is Portsmouth a actual guess? You got you to gotta give him a guess. Yeah, Portsmouth is a guess, and it's probably not he as to Portsmouth. Soft. Oh, he did? All right. He played right. with Portsmouth. Won the FA Cup with him. United? Manchester United, you're saying? If I'm, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. He did not play with Manchester United. Yeah. Declan. Shambles. Would you like to go now for an attempt to steal the points? Well, that's not how this works, but. I'll allow it. I, hey, who's the host? You, you can't just make up freaking rules, man. Um, Leeds. I, I put Leeds. Oh. Did he play for Leeds? I feel like he played for Leeds. No? Okay. No, he did not. The list of clubs is Liverpool. Aston Villa, West Ham. I should have known that one. Yeah, looking at you, Declan. <laughs> Manchester City, Portsmouth, Bristol City, and Bournemouth. Guys, we're doing a great job. We're of all a- the ones to get, I get Port. I got Portsmouth out of all of them. That's epic. Honestly, first first club that comes to my mind is Portsmouth when I think of uh, mm-hmm. David James. So I I don't blame really? you at all. Yeah, because oh, right. I think I think of the FA Cup squad. Probably, like I, if I probably would have got Liverpool, maybe West Ham, Man City, Portsmouth, and then probably not, probably none of the others. Yeah, a little before my time. Well, this guy could be a little bit before his time. I don't know. He's still playing now, though. Fabian Delf. Oh, I was fully expecting you to say Goran Pandev. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Pandev! Jeez, you said dumb. Delph, and he's played with three clubs. Declan, how many clubs can you name? Two. You're going two. Brennan, can you beat two? I know two, but I can try three. You're trying three. All right. City and Everton. Man City and Everton. Yes. He had to have come from somewhere. Let's see. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for. West Brom. West Brom. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Declan, do you know? No. No, I only had City and Everton. Aston Villa. Oh, my gosh. What's, what's the score, John? Have you been keeping um, track? You probably won. No? Good job. No. no. One job. Oh, well, yeah, one job. You know, there's so much responsibility hosting a podcast. It's just you, you lose track of some things. Nah, right respect. But okay. I believe there was a Fabian Delph thing at Aston Villa. He was made club captain, said like he would never leave, and then City made it off before him and he immediately left. I think, if I remember uh, correctly, there was something like that. Anyway, moving on to the final player, because I haven't been keeping score, let's just say this is for the this decides the winner of this week. All the tea in China. <laughs> Olivier Giroud played for five clubs. 
Arsenal legend, Olivier Giroud. Oh, you just gave one away. away. Fair enough. You know what? I'm going to go out on my sword. I can do all five. You're going all five. I'm going all five. I'm not giving Brennan a choice. Wow. (laughs) Let's see it. Okay, so Arsenal, Arsenal, as you said. Chelsea. At Milan now. Started his career. Into AC. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) AC. Yes. Started his career at Montpellier. He didn't start, but yes. And then he went to... Well, then he started his career at Bordeaux? He he has not played with Bordeaux. Was it Lyon? Nope. All right. So that means I can guess the last one, right? If if you can manage to get it, yes. I'm gonna give a guess. Well, Leo already won. Oh, Leo? it was Leo. Oh, fuck. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Leo. Oh, it wasn't. No. Oh. It was it Laurent. No. Laurent. Or... Nope. Tours. No. Oh. Start off, I believe, one season at Tours, and then he went to Montpellier for two, and then went to Arsenal. Which I <laughs> I I was convinced it was Leon, and then. And then I, I, I was there, and I was like, no, I, I see him in a Bordeaux kit. And then I was wrong. I could see him in a Bordeaux kit as well, to be honest. But, but I think just that's that, just yeah. because he's a fancy yeah. man. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And now, that was after a great halftime, let's move on to Tales from the International Break, as I'm going to be handing it over to Declan for a segment. I have no idea what it is, but I love the title. This was uh, this was uh, a little bit of inspiration that I came up with as I was um, as I was just scrolling Reddit, waiting um, in between classes today, and I saw a story that is, I would as as what I would describe as peak Eastern Europe. I'm going to set the scene for you. I'm going to set the scene. Is this any problematic already? Ukraine was playing Bosnia in international friendly, or sorry, in in World Cup qualifier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ukrainian fans had smuggled the Russian flag into the stadium. Because as you as you know, or as you should know, there was a war and continues to be a war over the state of Crimea in eastern Ukraine. And so Ukrainian Ukrainian nationalists are pretty upset about it, and they don't really like Vladimir Putin. So at halftime, they break the flag out. And they flip it upside down as an insult to, po- to, to Vladimir Putin himself. Well, the Bosnian fans in the, in the other stand see this going on. And from a distance, the colors look the same. And they perceive it to be a Serbian flag. And I don't know if you know, but there is deep ethnic hatred between Bosnians and Serbians Oof. since the 1990s. This resulted in the injuring of a number of fans as there was a riot in the stands. This ends the tales from the international break. Incredible. Just in- incredible. Peak Eastern Europe. Peak Eastern Europe. The Balkans. Oh, geez. That was where I was like, oh. I was trying to think, what was the name of the war in the, uh, in the 80s? It wasn't the Balkans war? No, no, no. What was the big Eastern European war? The one that well, like, I- separated it all into, into smaller countries. Yugoslav well, I know Yugoslav Wars of Independence. Is there a different name of it though? Because it is Yugoslavia, but is there? Well, it's it, not anymore. That's what the wars were fought over. Oh yeah, no, but is there another like? 
the Cold War is for the is for the the, the nuclear armament war between the between Russia and the United States. Is there a specific a specific word for? No, no, there was there was a there was a few there was a few wars that happened, and that's why they're the Yugoslav yeah. ones. One of the ones that like I remember hearing about recently was about Kosovo and stuff, because that's right around there. And Kosovo was like over like the last couple of years just got like UEFA like clarification that like they are a nation and they can participate. And so like players like Milo Rashika and I think Jaka's brother is also on Kosovo, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, a little fun fact of the day. Yeah, the, the the Balkans are a deep mess, and Kosovo is just a number of uh, of them. But uh, the Bosnians and Serbs, uh, there was like an actual genocide. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy shit. I was not expecting genocide talk on this podcast today. <laughs> Jeez. And, yeah, but wait, 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 Don, John, to, John. Yep, yep. Given the opportunity, I'm gonna go and plug the the piece that I wrote over the summer. Over the summer, uh, for those interested to read up a little bit more, this this particularly about the Croatian War of Independence. Um, and the Dinamo Zagreb uh, Ultras and their continued relationship with it. Highly recommend. It's my pinned tweet on Twitter. If you, uh, if you haven't gone and checked that out yet. Sick. I'll take a look at that too. I, I love that sort of stuff. Moving on from the international break, as the now we're going to be talking about the match of the week, Arsenal at Liverpool. And Arsenal have looked pretty solid so far. Honestly, since Brennan's come on the podcast, when we were all fearing Arteta could be out, He's managed to turn it around. You guys are all of a sudden playing phenomenally so far, but it's going to be the first real test this weekend. So, Brennan, how confident are you in this Arsenal squad and specifically also under Arteta? Um, over the last couple of weeks, my opinions have definitely shifted a little bit. I still think that if Arteta doesn't get European football this year, he's got to be out. But with that being said, our recent matches show that we are on the come up. We have won 10 or we are undefeated in our last 10 and seven of those games have been shutouts. So I think that is definitely progress that has been shown under Arteta. And I think that although this will be probably our biggest test so far in the season, I think it's, it can go either way, but, um, I'm still going to back Arteta even after this game, win or lose. But uh, also, the Liverpool side is out of, let's see, I have it in my notes here. Liverpool will most likely be without Sadio Mane, Jordan Henderson, Roberto Firmino, Naby Keita, and potentially Robertson, Andy Robertson. Because in the Denmark-Scotland game that I was watching, he got subbed, I think, late in the 80th minute. He pulled up with a hamstring. So I don't. I think he's doubtful for this game. So there are a lot of key pieces from this Liverpool side that will be out. And that Liverpool side, like, like we're talking about, they are probably one of the hottest teams in the world. Liverpool uh, are coming into this game, however, in a, bit, a little bit of a cold patch after that defeat to West Ham. So I do think this is a good of time as, as ever for Arsenal to really pounce away at Liverpool and really shock some people. Yeah, as you mentioned, Liverpool's coming off of a, a 2-2 draw at Brighton and then a 3-2 thriller against West Ham, as, as Declan will definitely gloat about in a second. And this Liverpool team, if, it's, if they're ever going to get got at, it's kind of this weekend. 
But one one more question about Arsenal before before we go on to uh, Liverpool is Ramsdale has been unbelievable since taking like since being the first choice uh, goalkeeper. He's only conceded three goals in the past five games, and also since since Gabriel has returned from injury at the start of the season. Him and Ben White have been the perfect pairing together, something we actually talked about, I remember, on the podcast mm-hmm. earlier on about how Ben White could be more of the offensive set of back uh, and Gabriel could be more of the aerial threats, defensively sound center back to pair him with. Is it weird being an Arsenal fan and having a solid, semi-reliable defense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. And... Um... One thing that I would also say is our new signings at the wingback spots. We have Nuno Tavares and Tomiyasu, where Tierney picked up a little knock a couple, like a week or two ago, or sorry, not a week or two ago, maybe three weeks ago. Nuno Tavares filled his boots. Um, like he, he arguably played better than Tierney has played recently. So there's a lot of Arsenal fans that are even talking about Tierney having to earn that spot back after arguably being our most consistent player. So it's definitely a breath of fresh air to have that sort of competition in your defense too. Whereas we had, geez, Hector Bellerin and uh, Ainsley, Maitland Niles not even getting minutes at, at right back. And now we have Tomiyasu. And if I recall correctly, our last conversation uh, when we were talking about that back line, I said, I, I love the signing of Tomiyasu because whereas he's a right back, he's not that offensively, he doesn't go forward that often, He's but he can play center back. So that alleviate that, that allows Ben White to go forward. And then Tomiyasu can stay back and kind of be that extra center back role. And so that allows even Nuno Tavares or Tierney to go up and play make and, uh, create opportunities on those flanks. So I have nothing but like high hopes and strong things to say about this Arsenal defense. What a complete change in, in the way that we, we talk about a squad in, in the space of a, what, a month? I couldn't agree with you more um, about Tomiyasu. I was skeptical um, when you guys brought him in. He's a, he came from the city on, you know, the little bits I saw of him, he looked convincing, but he was young and didn't really look like the right piece, but he's really settled that Arsenal back line down. He gives, as you said, a different option to Karen, to Karen Tierney um, in the back. And I think it really gets the best out of Ben White. And when you look at the back line as a complete unit and maximizing the most out of the players that you have, I think that Ben White is one of those players that you really need to maximize, especially given how much you, you spent on him. But also the way that he can be central to the way that your your squad builds their attack. And Arteta's a, a man who likes to build from the back nice and slowly. And um, White can definitely be one of those players. Um, and then, you know, as a West Ham fan, and I, I think back to the 16-17 to the season when we had, um, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name, but one of the worst goalies I've, I've ever seen. One of the worst goalies I've ever seen. Um, when Fab, was, when Fabi- was it a Spanish? Spanish yeah, he was guy? Spanish. He was Adrian. Spanish. No, 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 no. Don't ever talk shit about Adrian. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, um, that's exactly what I was thinking of. No, he went. He went to Atletico Madrid uh, after us. I can't. Oh, I can't. Moya. No, I, I I can't remember his name. That, but that's beside. He's beside the point. After Fabianski went down, Fabianski is um is is an absolute rock and. I think that Ramsdale is the same, you know, 
he's a player who can make those saves. And it was against, um, was it against Chelsea that he made that diving save across the crease where he was like at max spread, just got it off the thing, off his fingertips. I it, think you're referring to the Leicester city free kick. Yeah, right? Is that yeah, the James yeah. Madison free kick? That was yeah, the James Madison free kick where like you, the stills like, and stills can contort images, but the way that he was completely spread out and, you know, I was one of those guys who wasn't quite sure if Ramsdale was going to work out at Arsenal, but, you know, I, I'll eat my words. He's conceded, as, as we've said, three goals in five games. Can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't really touch on Ramsdale that much, but one thing that I will say is you can really see the difference between Leno and Ramsdale. Ramsdale is so commanding. You can, like, watching those games, you can see him commanding and leading from the, from the goalie spot. And not only that, his ability to build, our, our building out of the back, I feel so much more comfortable having Ramsdale with the ball at his feet than Leno with the ball at his feet. And that kind of dictates the, the way our defense builds out of the back into our midfield and so on. So that Ramsdale signing, and, I, and I'll admit, I was skeptical at first too because he, he came from where? Bournemouth and and another club and both of relegated. Oh, so I mean, there were question marks, but man, has he has he shocked everyone? It's Sheffield for sure. I'm not sure if Bournemouth Sheffield, yes, was yeah. his club before, but yeah, he's been he's been absolutely incredible. And I'm not sure um, if if either of you guys saw the video that was going around between him and Fraser Foster. Um, yeah, I did. After and the way that he analyzes it is is incredible. I'm excited for Fraser Foster re- to retire and become a pundit because oh, yeah. there is there is not enough good pundits. We've had this conversation connected to um, Ole, and it's very refreshing that it's taken us this long to mention Ole Gunnar Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> what are we like uh, 40, 50 minutes into the recording process, and and we're only mentioning him now? It's like a breath of fresh air. Um, I was paying we go to whole pod without mentioning him. <laughs> <laughs> He's out. But, uh, you know, I think that um, the solidity for this Arsenal squad has started at the back line. And, you know, all credit to Liverpool. They're one of the best squads that we've seen in the Premier League in a long time. But I think that they can be got at. Like, I, I don't think that that's out of the question. And if Arsenal just show up and put in a full team performance and, you know, just let Liverpool play with the ball, because I think that that's what David Moyes did. He just let Liverpool play with the ball. And he sat back and he defended and, you know, West Ham's defense, and I'm only boasting a little bit here, is one of the best in the entire division in terms of its organizational structure, the double pivot in front of it, um, and then the way that they hit on the counterattack. But there's no saying that. There's no reason why Arsenal can't do the same. Also, like Liverpool just love to complain. You know, they, they've gotten so used to winning. And I haven't had my, I haven't been able to do my spiel about this. I did it on the, on the review, on the review pod, but like still they're complaining, still they're complaining that they lost against West Ham. I don't know if you guys saw what Allison posted on thing where he was like, it's easier when I can use my hands. I'm just like, Oh really? Okay. You know, why don't you actually make an attempt? Anyways, that's besides the point. And um, I will be firmly in the Arsenal camp for, uh, for this game. Cheers. I know I just had to kind of, let you let you ISO for a bit just uh, just so you can get it all off your chest about that Liverpool West Ham match and a great result for West Ham. One last quick point on Liverpool is Joe Gomez has not appeared much at all with the squad so far. I think I think he's only had two appearances this season, five appearance uh, five appearances last season as well. 
this is a guy who was at the heart of the Liverpool title-winning title defense with Van Dyke, And Sally, just from injuries, being in and out of the squad, he's kind of fourth choice right now. And Konate coming in for 38 mil, Ibrahima Konate is an amazing center back. And I kind of knew as soon as he came in, Gomez was all of a sudden third choice, maybe second, but he's sharing that time with Konate. But to see Matip, not only overtake him in the pecking order, but there's a gap in between them in the pecking order now. Matip is the first choice center back along with Van Dyke. Van, Van Dyke, I guess, is first choice. Matip's number two, Konate's three, and then Gomez number four. I'm really starting to worry about his development as an England fan because World Cup's coming up pretty soon. It's about a year away from right now. And if he's if he doesn't get game time fast, I'm going to be worrying about him. So I'd, I'm hoping Liverpool send him out on loan in January to at least get him get him more games. I'm getting the opportunity to get into the England squad before the World Cup. You think he can make make it over Ben White, mate? Ben White should be in that. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, if you want, we can have the conversation. <laughs> like, obviously not over Ben White. Ben White's making it, yes. But oh, I don't know. You got Maguire. You got Ben White. I think, there, I think there's room for Gomez as well with his versatility to be able to play on the wings. I know England does not really need more right wingers at the, at the moment, but or uh, right wing backs. But still having a versatile guy like that in the squad, I think it's definitely an asset for an England team. And... I'm, I just hope that he gets a decent run in, a decent run in the squad. Mm-hmm. And one thing maybe before we switch off the Arsenal-Liverpool thing, I just have a couple of tidbits I wanted to drop. So um, I, the reason why I said I was 50-50 on this is because I was just looking into some stats and some facts, and Arsenal have not gotten points at Anfield in the league since January of 2016. So if you're looking at recent history – they would probably tell you Liverpool in this match, but I do think I am confident in my boys. We might not, I don't think we'll have Partey. I think he's going to be out. But if any of you guys watched the recent matches, Ainsley, Maitland Niles, slotted right in that position and played and put in a shift. And hopefully, if Partey won't be there, uh, Ainsley, Maitland Niles, and Lakonga, that pivot, I, I, I might like that. But, uh, yeah, 50-50, but pulling for my boys. Yeah, and also actually a couple of quick points on Arsenal as well as I have one more question for you about Arsenal mm-hmm. is Aaron Ramsdale, he's a guy who grew up so grew up as an Arsenal fan. And I kind of love to see you know, pe- people growing up as a fan of a club, getting to it and performing well at their childhood favorite club. And you can really tell when you have a player like that, it matters to them more, the fact that they're yeah. putting on that shirt for that club. And another guy, another guy like that is ML Smith Rowe. I saw, saw a headline that like um, I was in the Arsenal Academy at 10, Spurs tried to get me at, at 15 and 16. Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell I was going there. I respect that energy. Like there's no way in hell. Like, if, if I was somehow a very promising footballer and I was in a Man United Academy, you know, it didn't look like there's a much of a chance of me getting into the first team and Man City came calling. No way in hell am I signing for Man City. That's that's the enemy. I'm not signing for them. So I love that Emil Smith though was that open about it, going, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm going to Spurs. I'm staying here at Arsenal. 
Yeah, and you really see that with uh, our HLM products like Saka, like ML Smith Rowe, and we have Balogun, Charlie Patino in the works, and I'm really excited for our future. And um, it's like especially uh, having like our players be former fans of the club. I mean, no one even really talks about this, but William Saliba is also an Arsenal. Like you, there's pictures of him, a young boy wearing Vieira tops, Henri tops. He, he says that, oh, I grew up supporting Arsenal. And I just when we were talking about that defense, I totally forgot. We still have Saliba on loan at Marseille. And, like, imagine adding that to that defense next season. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my gosh. Well, Saliba's definitely, definitely a talented prospect, but apparently under Arteta, Arteta doesn't like him the most. As well they as were he, Yeah, I, also, I think there was some, like, Snapchat thing that happened a few years back with Saliba. Mm-hmm. Don't want to get into that, but there's been a few red flags popping up with him. But as a talent alone, he's definitely a very promising, uh, promising yeah. guy. But one of the youngsters I wanted to ask you a question about is is Eddie Nketiah, who his he's on an expiring deal. His contract's set to expire in the summer, and he's been outspoken to say he doesn't want to be up with Arsenal because he hasn't been given a single league minute in the season as of yet, which. I think it's kind of just neglectful, to be honest, if you're not giving a single minute to a young, promising striker. Although you have Lacazette and Aubameyang, who've been forming well together, bring him off the bench, do something, something to keep him interested, keep him involved in, in the squad. But does the possibility of losing a very promising homegrown talent like that, is that a worry to Arsenal fans? Or are you just looking at it as, we have all of these other guys, if we lose him, it's not the end of the world? Um, that's a good question. Um, recent reports, like from Arsenal people I follow are, are supposedly saying that Arteta is wanting to offer a new contract to Enketia and they're going to open talks, but you also have, I should also say Lacazette is having some disputes over a contract. He says he's adamant on like leaving. Um, but now he's hit this nice run of form. Um, now it's looking like we might offer him another contract. It's so I would say. The whole Eddie and Ketia situation really uh, revolves around what's going to happen with Lacazette after this season or in January. Like, if he's gone, that means Ketia is going to be our number two and then Balogun probably our number three. But if he does, if, if he leaves, then that probably means we're going to re sign Lacazette. Or, but in the case of Eddie and Ketia, I would be sad to see him go, but. At the same time, we ha- like we haven't really been using him. So if he feels that way, I mean, I understand. And it might be a bad look for Arteta or Hayland, but we have so, so much talent in that Hayland Academy. So uh, I'd probably say you can you can leave in Ketia. I'm sure probably Declan would be just circling that situation thinking, well, West Ham may need, uh, may need a new striker. How would Enketia look be in that lineup? Quality signing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jay Lings is coming back. <laughs> uh, honestly, you could, you know, probably sell for two mil at the deadline. We've botched that transfer so much. I have no idea why United didn't sell him at the deadline. Because there's two. Oh, at uh, in the summer, like, yeah. Once again, yeah. how many times do we have to talk about poor asset management? A- asset like, management in the prem. And realistically, how much do you think West Ham would have spent on on, on Lings in the summer? Um, 15, 20 mil. That's a little bit more less. Uh, that's a little less than I was expecting, but still, really? it, it. A player I, on an I, expiring I, contract 
who had a successful loan use but wasn't going to be used um, at the parent club, and that was obvious from the beginning. Yeah, I felt it was twenty and a minimum with with West Ham. Twenty and a minimum, more. You you want to kind of get it circling out there, thirty mil, but still, it'd be a hell of a lot more than they can get now and uh, going into January. But moving on now to stoppage time, as we're going to be going through the weekend's games and picking the winner or draw. I have to now say that because everybody forgets that you can pick a draw in this. <laughs> but Brennan, you you actually returning guest, and last time you were here, you went three for seven, which. You may say is bad. Honestly, if you stick around 500, that's a good week, as we're finding out here. Better than, better than we do on a regular basis. John went three for seven. I went two for eight. Zimming, once again, showing us up four for six. I, I hate that I'm on your level now because there's such a long time where I was always over 500. I went over 500, I think it's week 10, maybe. There's a, there's a three-point gap. There's a three-game gap at, the, at this moment in time. Well, have to extend that this week but brennan are you ready put 30 seconds on the clock ready three two one chelsea at leicester chelsea brentford and newcastle draw crystal palace at burnley draw brighton and aston villa brighton manchester united at watford manchester united west ham at wolverhampton West Ham. Southampton and Norwich. Southampton. Arsenal and Liverpool. Arsenal. Everton and Man City. Man City. Leeds and at Spurs. Tottenham. And time. 38 seconds. I'll give you a bit of a benefit there because I screwed up a few times there. But still, you didn't go out that much over, so it's, it's respectable. And Declan, are you ready to go? Three, two, one. Chelsea at Leicester. Draw. Brentford at Newcastle. Brentford. Crystal Palace at Burnley. Palace. Brighton at Aston Villa. Villa. Man United at Watford. United. West Ham at Wolverhampton. West Ham. Southampton at Norwich. Southampton. Arsenal at Liverpool. Liverpool. Everton at Man City. Manchester City. Leeds United at Spurs. Draw. And time, 27 seconds. John, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Okay. Chelsea Leicester. Chelsea. Brentford Newcastle. Draw. Palace Burnley. Sorry, I just completely blanked Palace Burnley, Chris Palace. Brighton Villa. Brighton. Manchester United at Watford. Man United, that's cultural appropriation. West Ham Wolves. Draw. Southampton New Norwich. Southampton. Arsenal at Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, Everton at Everton at City. <laughs> uh, Man City. And Leeds at Tottenham. Spurs. Good job. <laughs> Did you, did you not hear me there for a couple of them? There you no. go. <laughs> Liverpool. That should be, that should be it. Which, whichever, whichever team you predict, you have to do it in that regional accent. I don't. I can't do all of them. <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool is the only one I can do. City. Manchester is like Manchester, like City. They say City. Oh, yeah. It's like oh, E H, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, H. I know, I know the rapper H. He always, he's from from around there. Oh, so yeah. spits spits bars. You, I love British rap. I love UK rap. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing I'm Dave. Ooh, oh really? I'm going nice. to see Stormzy when he comes in when he comes in March. But this yeah, is he, this is neither here nor there for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's gonna do for the show. Brennan, thanks for coming on. Do you want to let the audience know uh, where to find you and if you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, uh, Brennan McCaffrey at uh, at Brennan McCaffrey on Twitter. B R E N N A N M C C A F F R A Y, or my Twitter or my Instagram. Sorry, uh, Brennan underscore McCaffrey underscore thirteen. You guys can find me there, and hopefully, I'll be back on soon to give you guys uh, the uh, what's what of Arsenal. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, anytime we're talking about Arsenal, good or bad, we'll make sure to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> and Declan, where can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's Bark14. Um, I, have, uh, I have a new exploration of, uh, of the Italian curvas coming out um, relatively soon that uh, I've been working on for a while. I'm relatively proud of it. So um, be sure to, uh, to watch out for that. Only relatively proud of it. Not, not yeah. fully proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Townsend 99 And that's going to do it for this show. Keep your eye on the Mastermind Site podcast feed for the review show after this weekend's games. We'll be back here next Friday to preview Manchester United against Chelsea and all the other big games from that weekend. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating as it really helps grow the show. And thank you for listening.